What's going on, everybody? This is Chris Kane here with the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. Once again, this time I'm back being solo. There's no mashup this week. I know you guys have been enjoying that for the last couple of weeks, but you get me today. So hopefully I can do the job of two or three people. Um, I'm confident that this will turn out pretty well. I'm happy to be back with y'all, man. This is my audience. I don't feel like I'm sharing y'all with other people, so I'm happy to be back with you guys. Uh, I've been getting more positive feedback about the podcast. More people are subscribing and telling their friends about it, so please keep it up. Um, We may have a sponsor sooner than later. There's some stuff in the works. So, you know, that would be cool to, you know, put that out there as well. But this is a passion project initially, and... I think it's actually helping some people. And so I really appreciate the fact that you guys have been listening, asking when the next ones are coming out, telling friends about it. Let's keep it up. Let's let's keep this unofficial therapy thing going for some time. And maybe we can, you know, all get a little bit better as a group. I'm going to try to make this a little bit more structured today. Normally I just kind of talk and meander around and we kind of get to a point. But I want today to be a little bit more structured. This is actually a shout out to Everett. And this I Hate Traffic podcast, he has, like, games he plays and that kind of thing. There's no games today. But I like the fact that his had a little bit more structure to it, so I'm going to try to apply the same principle on this podcast. And I wanted to first uh, give a shout-out to everybody, you know, going to see their families for the holidays. Um, This is the first year, I think, in my adult life that I'm not going home for the holidays. Uh, I'm out in California. My family is all back in Florida. My brother's in Philadelphia. And so they're all super East Coast. And I don't know if y'all been looking at these ticket prices. Yeah, no. It's, um, woo. it's a lot, man. And I probably should have gotten the tickets before, but it just didn't work out that way. So this is the first year that I'm not really going back to see my people. Um, and it's saddening a little bit. And it's also kind of exhilarating on some level, but... Um, Shout out to my family who's listening to this. I wish I could see you guys, but I'm in California trying to hustle. And anyone who's out here and who's, you know, going for a dream or doing that thing, you guys know what that is. It's, you know, trying to stack as much as possible, trying to pay things off, try to, like, get into some stuff. And we have a lot of things that are coming out in the the near future that require a certain amount of capital. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you guys, but... I'm in this writers slash, I don't know, entertainment group called Solstice. And I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to be putting it out there, but whatever. Here it is. Uh, and we are three or four writers, actors, comics. This is April, Everett, Marvin, and myself. And we have music videos. We have uh, TV things. I think we have, like, many films we're, you know, kind of working on in the, in the near future. And we have a lot of things we're working on at the same time. But we're trying to finance and produce all this stuff. So we need money for cameras and lighting and, you know, all that stuff that goes with producing videos and content. And even when we have other actors, we need to feed people. So those require a certain amount of capital. Obviously, just living in L.A. requires capital. And then again, I'm moving soon. My boy Justin Lee, not Justin Lee, wow, Justin Elliott is supposed to be here soon. And uh, I'll get him on a podcast as soon as he is. He's another comic, one of my best friends from Florida. So there's a lot of things happening at the same time, and you just got to have your ducks in a row. So when it happens, you can be ready to do it. 
As a result, however, I can't see my family. So I will try to see them maybe in February for my birthday. I might go back and see them, but I don't get to see my people this year. But if you get to see your folks or your significant other or your kids, if they're like in college or something, listen, this, that's a blessing. Cherish that because you never know, you know if they're going to be here next year. You never know if they're going to get married and spend the holidays with the other side of the family or you never know how it's going to go. So when you have a moment to be with the family, especially the little ones, right, to spoil them and give them gifts and feed them candy and chocolates and all types of other fattening things, those are amazing moments. And we're in the age now where everything is online and, you know, pictured and photographed and, you know, videoed and stuff. But just enjoying those moments with nieces and nephews and little kids is, is amazing. So don't, don't, um, don't poo-poo how blessed you are to be in that situation. It's, it's nice to have all that stuff available to you. For those of you that have lost people this year and you don't have them around anymore, I know this is probably a really rough time of the year for you. Um, advertising is exclusively for people who are to be happy. It's all it is. It's spend the holidays with your family and it's gifts and it's he went to Jared's and that kind of stuff. If you lost someone, a relationship or a family member, and this is a rough holiday for you, if you don't have people around you, I implore you, try to spend it with somebody. If it's coworkers, if it's, you know, in a group, like groups of people, like at a sporting event, right, there's games, basketball, football games, like on Christmas, those kind of things. If you could be around people and not be alone, please do, because there's nothing worse than being alone and then also being sad at the same time. Because that sadness tends to, like, mount, and it starts building, and you start looking at other people's happiness, and then you feel worse about yourself. And then, you know, not saying that it's going to be anything suicidal or anything like that. That's probably the furthest extreme of it. But no one should feel like they're alone or abandoned during this time of the year. And there's resources, there are outlets, there are things to do. You can even volunteer, right? If you don't have family, you don't want to, you don't like sports, like go volunteer, man. Go to a boys and girls club or I don't know all the organizations. Um, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, those kind of things. Go volunteer with somebody. Because if you're around other people and you can make their lives a little bit better, I think it'll actually rub off on you a little bit. And you won't just be sitting at home with a bottle of scotch on the table thinking about how bad 2017 was for you. Find some people, get around them, and just get through it. Because once the 26 happens, it's like the whole energy switches, right? Up until the 25th, it's all about like Christmas, like Hanukkah stuff. Once the holiday's over, it's New Year's and new me and put the year behind me, and it, it's like a renewed energy. So you just have to get through this part. This is, the worst, this is the worst part. So push through it, get to the 26th, look forward to New Year's, and then try to like wash that off of you because I've, I've seen people during the holidays who are alone who like lost a parent or a child or something, and it's, it's bad, man. Like posting negative stuff on social media and, and sitting at home, not, you know, taking care of them. It, it, gets, it gets out of hand. So try to find some people to be around if you can. Well, that was sad. Okay. <laughs> let's, pick up the, let's, let's pick it up a little bit. Um, my main topic today that I want to talk about is, is honesty. And honesty is a very basic term, but I think it's people try to handicap what it actually is. Usually when I mention honesty, it's like, don't lie to me, right? That's usually what people mean. 
just be truthful. Don't lie to me. And that's how guys talk too. <laughs> uh, don't lie to me. I think honesty, the purest form of honesty though, is in general communication. I don't think it really is about keeping truth from somebody. I really think it's just about how you communicate. So an example of this would be in the, in the media. Let's say we're in the age of all this sexual harassment stuff, right? That's, that's the moment. That's probably what 2017 would be defined by as Trump and sexual harassment, right? If you had to like handicap it. And what happens is these things have been happening for ages, but now it's kind of like, you know, a talking point. And there are people coming out and it's, and they're talking, they're saying things because, because they're supposed to say it, right? They know what the right thing to say is, but they're not really being honest about what it is. Or at the very least, they're being intentionally uh, evasive or they're trying to move the conversation a certain way. So a good example would be if you said um, sexual harassment in the workplace is an issue. I think people generally agree with that, right? There's not too many dissenters on that. But then the, the opposite point comes up. Okay, so what happens if you're accused of it and then it's not true? What happens? Then the conversation shifts to what well, doesn't matter if it's true or not blah, 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 and then people like double down on, on what it is. They double down on their position. And the honest point is, okay, if someone accuses and that's not true, then that's also wrong, right? That's what the, the truth of it, that's the honesty of it. If someone's falsely accused of something they didn't do, that's wrong, right? That's not like a, a partisan or a gender-specific thing. If you're accused of murder and you didn't murder somebody, then you were wrongly accused. It's not well, you look like the suspect, so we thought you murdered somebody. It's like, yeah, but ultimately I didn't, right? So, but you can't say that because honesty is juxtaposed against opportunity, I guess is kind of how it works. So if you're too honest, you lose opportunities. And if you're, you know, appropriately honest or you are politically honest, where you just appeal to whatever your side is and you can kind of keep getting opportunities. And I feel like we're, we haven't gotten to a place where we can have honest discourse because it does very much seem to be this kind of team dynamic I'm on team every accuser is 100% right and every person accused is guilty or I'm on team well some of these girls aren't being truthful and I'll just disregard the guys who did do it right it's like everyone picks a side but there's nuance in every conversation and in every major discussion so religion, politics, and I guess sexual stuff, there's always nuance to it. And it means that neither side is 100% right. There's some give and take. And when you can't have a real conversation that has give and take in it, then your conversation is being somewhat illegitimized because people are just doubling down on positions. I'm still waiting for the conversation with most people. I've had this with a few people where we can admit if you harass somebody in a workplace or you know, at church or synagogue or whatever, and they came out and said it, and you had a position of some kind of power, you should probably lose that power. I think that's that's not unreasonable. And in the same breath, if you falsely accuse somebody, your consequence of you falsely accusing, I think, should be somewhat appro- should be somewhat equivalent. I don't know what the equivalency can be. If you're not in a position of power, you can't lose your power, right? But there should be some level of maybe ostracization. Maybe you should be... I don't know what to say. It shouldn't be, okay, you accuse somebody, they didn't do it, or they're found not to have done it. 
and then you just keep living your life, but now they have that stain on their resume. That just seems, on a certain level, unfair. And this, and I've seen this, I, I think I was watching on YouTube or Instagram, like people were like, well, if someone is falsely accused and they lose it, then I'm not gonna lose sleep because that makes up for all the people who actually did do it. And the, the logic behind that is so like, I know it's almost sad, it's, it's a sad place to be. Cause what you're saying is essentially, I don't care what the truth was, I just want my position to be the right one, so damn everybody else. And I think that's, I mean, that's, I guess that conversation, that point would be honest, but it's, I don't know, it's not logical, or at the very least, it's not morally just. It's just, I want that to be what it is. And I use the sexual harassment because that's just what's in the media, but this happens in every respect. This happens in relationships. Right? Like when you first meet someone, I talk to women every day about relationships because I like it. And so do they. And I say, okay, what are you looking for? And they say, I just want a guy who likes me, who doesn't, who doesn't just want to sleep with me, and then yada, yada. We, we talk through that line, that line of conversation. But if you ask them, they say, well, yeah, I know. If you like, like gun to your head, be honest, this guy who's being really nice to you and opening doors for you and wants to be your friend, wants to get to know you, do you think he still wants to sleep with you? And it's like, well, yeah, he does, obviously, but it's not as obvious. And so on some level, both are kind of playing into this role. Like, I'm going to be, I may be a genuinely nice guy, and I may actually want to get to know you, and I may actually want to, you know, wine and dine you, but I also do want to sleep with you. And I wanted to sleep with you before I wanted to do the other things. I didn't know anything else about you before I met you. And so the honesty is... Listen, I'm not like a player, like dog kind of guy, so I do want to get to know you. I do want to see if you can be the one I can settle down with. But I walked over here because I was attracted to you without knowing those other things, meaning I wanted to sleep with you biologically before I knew who you were socially or where you stood politically or what you did for a living. That's what got me here. That's what the real honesty is. But we can't, we can't have that conversation. And so what we have is we have guys who are being intentionally deceptive to try to like backdoor their way into something and oh I'm not like other guys and but that's not honest either. But pure honesty, I guess, is is cruel. Right? It's I don't know, it's 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 so it's it's such a like a brash thing based on how we normally communicate that it would just be like it would be shocking to the senses to hear it for what it is. Listen, I don't know you, but I saw you across the room and I thought you were beautiful and thought, I really want to talk to this beautiful person, okay? Now we're going to talk. We're going to find out what you do for a living, find out if you belong to the game, find out if you're a wholesome, a good girl or whatever, and then we can go from there, right? Like, I don't know how refreshing that would be in a real conversation. I think people would be like, you may get slapped in the face. Um, and I think also, it, all, it would also work a lot of times too, though, because it is honest to a certain point. Like, I didn't walk over and think, man, I can't wait to go be this girl's friend. That's not generally how guys think. Some guys, sure, I guess. But generally, I don't walk up to someone I'm not attracted to and start to spark a conversation if, if they're, like, of the persuasion I mess with. Meaning, if I'm a straight dude, I wouldn't walk up to just a random girl and start talking if I don't find her attractive, probably. Or at the very least, interesting. But we can't be that honest because... I know maybe that throws off 
that throws off social norms, and it's, it's, it's hard to do that. So what we have is we have guys who are pretending to, I don't know, watch movies and listen to what the girls are talking about or, you know, reading Cosmo and trying to, it's just, but, it's, but what it's rooted in is the same thing. It's like, how can I arrive at a certain position without outing myself, without being as honest as I want to be? And I would love to see a world where people can be more honest about what things are, especially now. Like, things seem to be a little bit more polarized. Politics falls very much in this category, where if you're on one side of something, you double down on that side, and you can't admit any wrongdoing. I had this conversation with my dad maybe a few years back. Uh, I was in college, so yeah, a few years back. And he said something to the effect of, if you're on food stamps, then you're lazy, blah, blah, blah. Because my dad had that Republican kind of stance on it. That's generally what, how Republicans think. Obviously, they're not all the same person. But as far as the talking point goes, that's how it generally goes. And if you, have, you do entitlements, then you're lazy. We should do away with entitlements. And it, will, it would make people want to work harder, and it de-incentivizes being lazy, right? That's kind of what the talking point is. Um, and so my dad was talking, he was... Like food stamps are this and that. Why would you ever work and get a job and buy food when the government buys your food for you? And he had this, he went on a tirade. He talked for like 20 minutes. I let him go. Because I knew he wanted to get his point out. And I was in college on an academic scholarship. And I had two jobs. So I was, and I was a full-time student. So I was taking 12 credits, two jobs, and I was also on a scholarship. But I had bills, right? I had car insurance, phone bill, food, whatever, whatever. And I was actually on food stamps at the time. And this is in Florida. I think I was getting, I don't know, $140 a month, which is not actually a ton of money for food if you really want to bring it out. For a college kid, that's, that's like a week. <laughs> that's like a 1,000 packs of ramen noodles and hot dogs. You're in there. And he went on this whole tirade. And when he finished, I said, well, Dad, you know I'm on food stamps. You know I'm also a minority. I'm in school on the scholarship. And I, and I have two jobs. So where do I fall in this, in, on this totem pole of stuff? Because you've been talking for 20 minutes about how everyone who does it is on this position. So I'm the exact opposite of that. I'm not a single mom. I'm not in the hood. I'm not, not working. So where do I fall in this? And he really didn't have a good response. He just, because he didn't know, because I didn't need his approval to get on food stamps. So he didn't know where I was. But what it did was he was, for a second, Humbled. He really didn't have a good comeback. He couldn't be like, well, maybe you didn't have the right upbringing because that would be an indictment on him, right? So he just kind of was dumbfounded for a second. And then my position was actually a very simple one after that. I'm like, I know there are people who abuse this privilege, obviously. There's always someone who's going to abuse any privilege. The speed limit, I guess, is kind of a privilege. You get to drive. You have the luxury to drive. Speed limit 70, there will always be someone who goes 80, 85, 90 because they're rushing somewhere or because they have a fast car and they want people to see them drive fast. That's always going to happen. But at what level of people, I don't know, abusing a liberty do you start taking liberties away? Which is actually my only point. Not that people don't abuse it, but it's like, what's, what's the percentage? What's the ratio? Is it a four to one? Is it a, you know, Five to one, like, like what point where it's like, okay, cool, this many people are abusing it, so we gotta curtail what everything, what, what's, what's happening. Because that's what the real conversation is. He made a general point. 
and he made a point that was more political and it was more my side point but obviously wasn't a fully thought out fully reasoned point because all he needed was one individual to fall outside of that talking point and now the whole system is kind of bugged it's like if you say oh every girl wants a guy to take care of her and then you find an independent woman who's like I like taking care of myself I don't like getting help from guys now that whole theory is blown up right you have to change the wording to I believe a majority or most or whatever but from majority and most to every is a big jump and when you say all people on food stamps to this person and then you find one in your family who you know extensively who isn't now I'm not just a person on the chart I'm an actual I'm a, I'm a physical person you know what my life is you know my struggles and you know what I'm doing and stuff and that was one of the rare times we had a semi-political discussion that didn't devolve into well your side did this and my side did this it was well I still think there's too much money in entitlements. I still think there's some lazy people. And I said, yeah, I agree with you. There are lazy people out there who are just using it to use it. Absolutely. It would be dumb for me to argue that everyone who uses it is some struggling mom of four, which is, I guess, the opposite talking point. Everyone who's on it is lazy. But what about the single mom of four who needs food? And I've also lived in that lifestyle. My mom was raising us, and we had it as well. So I've seen both sides of it. But... I don't know if it's, I don't know what the numbers are, right? I don't work in that field where I can tell you 75% are using it correctly and 25 are using it incorrectly. And then even if I knew the numbers, that still begs the second question. What percentage is too much? Once it's past you know, a, a three to one ratio, do we then have to change what it is? Or because that's really what all this stuff is. Like no matter what side of the ledger you're on, if you're on the, I think, rich people should have should pay more in taxes and it's like okay well what qualifies rich right that's a line then it's how much more should they pay that's another line then it's well what if they inherited the money that's different than someone who worked from the bottom up to get the money what and it's like all these are little questions but if your general consensus is you're rich pay more i'm rich i don't want to pay more and then we just talk from those positions we don't have any nuance in the conversations then what you have is when you find someone who was born with exceptional wealth and then they make the same position as somebody who was born and worked, 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 worked and got to the same place, they may be at the same place, but their perspective is different. And, but they're lumped into the same category, though. And so there's nuance in someone who came from, let's say, let's say Jay-Z becomes a billionaire. I think he's close to it now. But his billion versus, let's say, one of the heirs to the Trump empire's billions are different, right? It, but they are lumped in the same category. But if you don't speak about nuance, then you just assume, oh, you're rich, you're entitled, and so you have to do this. And I think that's, that's where things are lost. It's like if the minute you make an, an opposing point, you become the devil or you become ignorant or just foolish. And there's no real like ebb and flow. And, what, and it really devolves into name-calling because the way debating is supposed to go and the way conversations are supposed to go is you make a point, I acknowledge your point, and then I make either a counterpoint or I agree with your point, and then we kind of keep moving forward. What it is now is I make a point, you either like it, and you say, yeah, I'm with you, or you don't like it, and then you say, well, what about this? This is a very easy example. Hey, man, 
Um, Trump lied about how many people were at his inauguration, right? That's not really that political. There's just a photo of people standing there, right? It's just, you can just count the people up. And instead of saying, yeah, they probably did, but who really cares, which is where I feel like, all right, so he lied, now what? Doesn't change, he still was inaugurated, it doesn't matter. If your point is, well, Obama lied about the healthcare bill, I'm like, okay, that may also be true, but that doesn't even address the first point, and you, did, you just gloss over it and made a second point. Why can't we just say, okay, yeah, maybe he lied about it, who, who, who cares? Or, yes, he lied about it, and that's not a good thing. Now, you can then start kind of parsing out what's the degree of lie. Okay, lying about number of people here, lying about the number of troops we're pulling out are two very you know, different lies. One's affecting lives, one's affecting, I don't know, ratings or ego or whatever, right? So, I don't know. I don't, I don't get into social debates anymore. I think I had one conversation with somebody who made a point, and then I tried to, like, have an educated, like, I tried to refute their point using some kind of logic, and then the response I got was illogical. And it, <laughs> it frustrated me, and so I just bowed out. I was like, you know what? A wise man said don't argue with fools, right? And I'm arguing with you on a logical point, and you've just made an illogical character assassination. So what are we doing right now? We're going to just keep going down this road where, oh, you did this, so you're dumb. And it's like, oh, I'm not dumb. You're dumb. And it's like, I'm smarter than you. Okay. So, and it's just we just keep going. And then when it's all over, you feel self-righteous. They feel self-righteous, and no one knows anything more than we knew before. We just are more entrenched in our own position. It's a, it's a scary idea of, of being wrong about something or about having someone make a point that you haven't thought of. I'm like all of you guys. I have my morals and sets of beliefs, and I believe them strongly, and I have context for why I believe them. And occasionally, someone will challenge it or say something that just from, a, from an auditory possession, uh, position, like makes you just, it, it makes you like clench up if someone says something like, so, like I'm, so I'm a Christian, right? So if someone's like, yeah, there's no God, like on a visceral level, my stomach kind of clenches. But then I keep listening because my instinct is to say, what would you say about my God? And I want to like do what everyone does, right? This is my position. I want to double down on it. But then I listen. And then they usually make some kind of logical argument. If there was a God, then why is there so much murder or yada, yada, yada? And they'll go down that road. And then if we need to have a debate or a conversation, I suppose we could. But usually they just want to say what they say. And then you guys just move on with your life. It doesn't really affect anything past that point. But there is a thing. Like, we hear stuff and you want to just attack it because it's not what you believe. And then sometimes people make a point that you can't really refute and that at the very least it makes you think about or maybe even question a little bit why you believe what you believe. I think that's what my goal is in doing, I guess, this kind of thing and in having these conversations is you're really not going to convince too many people who really believe something off of what they believe, right? If, it's, if you base your life on being, I don't know, let's say being an asshole, that's, that's your thing. I'm going to do what I want whenever I want to do it. I don't care what people think. And I say, well, have you ever thought about not doing that? Think of how many more opportunities you would have and yada, yada, yada. If you feel like that would make you, I don't know, disingenuous or that would make you kind of a sellout of yourself, 
even if I make really compelling points, you just listen. I'm gonna be an asshole, dude. I'm gonna lose opportunities. I'm gonna piss people off, but I can live on myself, and so I'm gonna be this version of myself. But if I can impart some wisdoms on you, where let's say you wanted to move up in a company, and you were an asshole, I can say, listen. You can be whatever you want to be. If you want to be yourself, maybe you can still make it to the top. Um, but in the 50-year history of this company, they tend to not promote those people because those people have to lead other people, and people don't like being led by an asshole. So it may be something to consider. Like you may have to like you know mitigate your assholeness to move up in a company, but ultimately you got to be what you're going to be. And maybe they leave there and think, you know what, dude, I do want to move up in a company more than I like being an asshole, maybe I can find a way to balance the two. They may not. They may just say, fuck it, I'm doing it the way I do it already. And if I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. But if you can leave somebody with something they can think about, I think that's what honesty's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to do, ultimately, is make you leave and think, how am I, why, one, why do I believe what I believe? Do I believe it because my friends told me, my family told me, social media told me to believe it? Like, why do I believe what I believe? And do I have it, like, convictions with it? I know a lot of people who say things that are just maybe factually not true, but also they speak with bass in their voice, but with almost nothing on, the, on like, under the surface to really go with. So they'll say something like, I believe X, Y, and Z, and then you say Y, and it's crickets. But you're out here posting stuff and you're, you know, posting memes and you're changing profile pictures. And, it's like, and why why'd you do that? Why do you believe that? And it's, there's nothing behind it. It's a, it's a shallow belief system. It's a shallow, you know, authority. It's transparent, really. And if you can leave somebody by thinking about what they do and if that's the right course of action or well, consider this is how I feel, consider what I'm saying now... And I think at the very least, people will start asking questions and start mostly to themselves, right? Ask questions to themselves, but also ask questions to people who believe other stuff because you might find that you're more alike than you realize and that the real answer or the real truth or truth, I'm using that word loosely, but the real truth is some hybrid of ideas and thoughts. I'm not arrogant enough to believe that any one way of thinking is unequivocally right because that seems that seems far-fetched right there's so many nuance if there's that much nuance in something simple that's feel like something complex must have even more of those right so the idea that this is where it is x y and z and there's no other way to think about it is is absurd from a logical perspective math is not you know math is logical i suppose but math is also it's plug and play you don't have to think about math. Four plus four, eight, every time. So it's no like, there's no nuance in math. I think that's what makes math annoying to people. You can't be like, well, I feel like math is four plus four should be sixteen. It's like there's no feeling. You just do it. But literature is a feeling. You can you can parse out Romeo and Juliet being a tragedy or being, you know, a mismanagement of love. It can be bad parenting. It can be social classes clashing and stuff. Like you, can, you can take it a few different directions, but math is not like that. Very few things in real life are like math. And so because of that, that means that there's very few things in life that should be, this is what it is, and nothing else can be it. 
because that doesn't make any sense. If you're trying to make sense. If you don't want to make sense, I guess you do what you want. Um, I don't care this is logical. This is what I'm saying. It's like, well, you're being illogical, and then we can kind of go from that. I don't know if this is going to help any people out there. I will hope this will spark some kind of conversations between people with opposing views. I like when that happens, actually, um, especially if you get exposed for believing some I don't know, kind of trite thing that doesn't really exist or if you don't have any proof you can substantiate or even a position that can be really well thought out. I think it's nice when people can maybe be exposed a little bit, not to make them feel bad, but to say, hey, maybe go back to the drawing board and you know, see what it is. I remember I was researching Descartes, the like philosopher, some I don't know, a few months back. And he's the guy that said, I think, therefore I am. That's, that's what he's known for. But to do, to do that, he had to, he decided to like unpack everything he believed he knew. Because he questioned a singular belief he had about, I think, whether there's a God or not. And then said, well, if there's no God, then there's no this, there's no that. And he went down a whole litany of things. And he essentially like almost erased everything he believed and said, Let's start from scratch. Like, do I even exist? Like, is this world real? It's, and all these thoughts were going through his mind, but then he realized, wait a minute, the fact that I even had the capacity to think about whether I'm right or wrong means that I'm, I'm, I exist. Means that means I exist, right? The fact that I can even think about that means I exist, which led to the I think, therefore I am thing. And then he put things back in his shopping cart of beliefs and morals. But it was a very... He just completely said, I don't know if anything I even believe or ever believe is true. But I know that I'm thinking about whether I believe it, so that means I'm real. And then maybe not everything I believe is real, but some of it is. And the ones that aren't, I need to find out what is. And then I can build my worldview off of the new empirical evidence I have about the realness of life and what I experience. So I think that's... That's maybe a very extreme version of what I'm saying right now. But I think something to that effect, right? Like if you're, especially if you are even waffling in a position, like you felt some way really strongly, but now you're feeling a little bit less of that. I think really questioning why am I feeling less of that? Because it could just be a moment of weakness, right? You could just bounce back and be back where you were. But it also could be I'm feeling not so sure about this because I'm getting newer and newer evidence. And the more evidence I get, it's contrary to what I normally believe. And so let's see where this new evidence fits with my old beliefs. And sometimes it fits perfectly. It's lockstep. Boom. But sometimes it's very opposing. And it's like, okay, this new evidence seems to be pulling me this way, but my old belief is this. And then you kind of oscillate between the two. And at a certain point, you know, you kind of have to pick a path. It's like I'm either believing this new stuff or I'm going back on my old stuff. But... I think be open to be wrong and be open to new information as much as you can be. But you know, you have to, I do believe you have to stand for something. So if you stand for anything, be prepared to, to defend whatever you believe in. I think that's, a, that's a, a mantra I live by. My friends know this, people who like really know me know this. If you can't stand on what you say and you can't hold up under scrutiny, then you don't really believe it or you need to really assess where you are with that. 
if you can defend your point to the death, even if I make better points than you do, and you just say, I still believe what I believe, even though you make good points, that's fine. I think that's reasonable. But if you can't defend your points, if you can't articulate them, if you, you just, this is what it is, I don't know. I think that's a, it's a tough way to live. If you can't tell people what you believe or defend what you believe under any kind of scrutiny. It's just I believe it and I hope no one asks me any further. Up. <laughs> I believe this and I hope no one asks me any follow-up questions. Why? Damn it. Oh, man. I wasn't ready for that question. <laughs> I was hoping you just let me go with it. It's, I don't know. I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting point. And if you don't believe that, then, again, feel free to question it. Like, DM me. You can right on my walls. Obviously, Sexy Comedy on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Chris Kane on Facebook. Like, reach out to me and say, Chris, I don't believe what you said for X, Y, and Z reason. And we can have that conversation. I know why I believe what I just said and why I'm doing this now. It makes sense to me. I feel well-reasoned in it, but I could obviously be wrong. But you're going to have to make a good point for me to believe that I'm wrong. So if you don't believe what I just said, awesome. But if it sparks something in your mind to make you think, even more awesome. And maybe we can kind of arrive at a place where we can have opposing positions and then not hate each other. Because that's foolish. You don't believe what I believe, so I don't like you anymore. Go away. <laughs> that's what like elementary school is. Hey, can I borrow your toy? No? Well, you're dead to me. I'm going to go tell the teacher that you shouldn't even have a toy. And now I'm going to go sit on this side of the room and look at you from afar as I build up these blocks and then knock them over in anger because I can't hit people at five years old. Childish. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this very spirited solo discussion. Uh, we touched on some heavier themes today, mostly because I was, it was just like on my spirit because there's been a lot of, I don't know, just frivolous stuff going around in the world and I don't think I don't know how much of it actually matters or how much of it moves the needle I think a lot of it's clickbait I think a lot of it is like partisan commentary and not even actual news but I do believe there are some things that are are real and some things that do need to be discussed and I think honesty should be the driving force behind it because if you're honest about what you see and what you believe and what you think then you're you can piss people off, obviously, with you being honest. But if you're honest and you actually are, you have conviction with it, then you can live with that part of it. It's like you're mad at me for telling you how I actually feel. I can live with that part. What I can't live with is you being mad at me for not telling you the truth. Because then like, I, I betrayed the code of our communication. I didn't give you the, the facts or the information as I see it. And so you're mad at me for not giving you those things. Anytime you're truthful with somebody and you're righteous about being truthful with somebody and they don't respond well to it, then that's a loss, but that's their loss. And hopefully, and this is wishful thinking, I don't know if, if this will change anything. Maybe this will change one person's way of thinking, but I think generally we're kind of entrenched where we are. But if this can hopefully spark some way of thinking, then I think it'll be successful. So I hope it does. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. Um, again, I'm on social media at Sexy Comedy, at Twitter and Instagram, Facebook at Chris Kane. I will probably do a show next week. I'm not going home, so I have no reason not to. <laughs> I'll probably do a show next week. 
uh, right before the holidays where we'll kind of talk about wrapping up 2017 and kind of looking forward to 2018. See this foreshadowing? I'm getting, it's getting structured now. Um, we'll talk about this year and where you're going to be next year and kind of maybe how to set up next year to be successful and not just, I'm going to lose 95 pounds and eat kale every day. And we can actually kind of find maybe a better way of setting your resolutions up. But thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Retweet, post, subscribe, all the fun branding stuff. And I'll see you guys next week. Deuces.